Well, good morning. Um, you know, I don't know even half of you guys, um, but I want you to know that I, I really love this church. Um, I pray for this church frequently, and uh, our entire church in Edmond, Oklahoma, uh, we're, uh, our uh, eight or so pastors get together every Tuesday morning. We pray for our own church, and we also pray for you guys, and we're just so blessed to hear all the amazing stories coming out of this uh, congregation, so we're just so thankful to be a part of it, and really honored and blessed to get to be here with you guys today. Uh, so let's pray, and then we'll get started uh, with uh, what we got here for today. So, uh, Father God, I pray, Lord, that as we begin to open up your word and we begin to think through uh, all the things that you have for us in, in the claims of Jesus on our lives today, that you would open up our hearts, that you'd fill us up with your spirit, and that you would get us uh, ready for whatever you want to say to each one of us on an individual level. No matter if we uh, have been following you for a long time or maybe don't even know uh, really who you are or even what we think about you yet. Lord, we pray the same thing for all of us together. So in your name we pray, amen. Um, well, if you guys don't already know me, you probably don't know my daughter. She's about to turn five, and she is the most joy-filled little girl that I have ever met. And I might be a little biased in that, and that's probably true, but it fills me with just a ton of thankfulness that I can say that. Reason for that is she had a really hard start at life. Whenever she was six months, she was diagnosed with like this weird, rare form of like a food allergy-induced disorder where she could be allergic to literally any food. So it wasn't like a question of, what are you allergic to? It was more of a question of, like, how many safe foods do you have? And for a long time, that list was, like, less than 10. So uh, she's five now. She still has a lot of those allergies. She's grown out of others. But it just fills me with joy that even with all the adversity that she had, she's able to have such amazing amounts of joy. Now, the thing is, though, uh, you know, she's five, so she has, you know, the typical things that bring her joy of a five-year-old girl, um, unicorns, rainbows, sunshine, these kind of things, right? Um, but the thing that most consistently makes her joy-filled is whenever she has a job in our home. So we started giving her a couple of chores around the house in the last six months or so. So whenever uh, we open up the dishwasher and I start unloading it, her job is to take all of the silverware and put it away, um, you know, like minus like the stick knives because she's fine. But, you know, like the ones that are only mildly pointy, um, she puts all those away and she absolutely loves it to the point that if I try to put it away and like honestly do it a little faster, you know, and maybe a little bit better, uh, she gets upset at me because it brings her so much joy. Now, I don't even think that she knows the reason why that's true, but I think the reason for that is actually that she is finding purpose in her life for the very first time. Like she's got her first taste of, oh, there's something beyond me and what I want, and there's something that I have to have purpose in my life to do. I think it's because she's finally felt for the very first time some sense of purpose in her life, and she loves it and it brings her joy. And the thing is, is I think that for her, because I know that that's true about myself. Um, I know that for me and for anyone I know, the idea of getting to act out our purpose in life is something that we all hunger for and we all need to a very great degree. We can feel it like we need water or like food, not so much like in the pit of the stomach, but almost like in the shakiness that you can feel whenever you're super hungry. And it's like, man, I just have to find my purpose in life. So 
a lot of times we go to um, a lot of really good things to find that. Um, we think, man, my purpose in life is to be really good at work, and I'm going to build my business, and it's going to go really well. Um, sometimes we find our purpose in life with our family, and we say, man, I just want our family to be this perfect picture, and I just want all of my children to act a certain way and my home to look a certain way. And, you know, the thing is, is none of those things are bad things in any way, but the problem is, is whenever we take something that's so temporal and something that is so... Um, volatile at times, and we put that in the place of our ultimate purpose, what ends up happening is, is that we end up creating this, uh, this, this life in this world that to the outside, everyone thinks like, man, that is going so well. They have everything. But at the very end of it, whenever you're like, man, I finally have that business I wanted. My family looks exactly like I wanted. And on the inside, you just kind of think like, oh, like, is, is that it? I I thought it would feel kind of differently. Here I am, I have it, and I'm still not fulfilled. Well, what we're going to be talking about today in the book of John is our ultimate purpose. We're going to be talking about our ultimate purpose. Um, In the Bible, whenever we hear in Genesis about how God created the world and how um, man rebelled against him, what happened was, among other things, that the world was broken and we lost our purpose. And Jesus comes to save us and to bring salvation and eternal life. But one of the really amazing parts of the good news of Jesus is that he renews our purpose. And he gives us that ultimate purpose once again. It is possible that if we don't know Jesus or even if we've known Jesus for many, many years to live our entire lives and never actually act on the purpose that he has for us. So if you have your Bibles today, go ahead and open up to uh, John uh, 17, starting at verse 9. That's John 17, verse 9. We're going to go through um, the uh, rest of the chapter to uh, verse 26. But before I start reading, I want to uh, just kind of give you guys some uh, little, little context to this. This is what is called the end of the upper room discourse. And what that means is it's like chapters 13 to 17 of the book. Jesus has just been talking to his disciples, and this is the very end of it. The whole beginning of John, um, he is doing signs and wonders and miracles and all kinds of things, and everyone gets to see it. But right here, Jesus knows that in just a, a few moments' time, he's about to go to the cross, he's about to die, he's about to rise again and ascend into heaven. So this is like the very last few things that he's telling his disciples before going to the cross. But in addition to that, this is a super fascinating prayer because you have God the Son who's praying to God the Father, okay? We, we see little glimpses of this throughout the Bible, but this is like unlike almost any other part of the, uh, of the Bible where we're actually able to see uh, the conversation of Jesus and the Father for ourselves. So it's super fascinating. There's so many different things in here that we can't possibly touch them all, but I do want you to see three primary things in this text today. Uh, and here's what they are. First of all, that we are not like the world. Secondly, that we are sent into the world And then finally, we're going to talk about really where our hope is in this life and in the next. So um, let's go ahead and open up to John 17, 9. We'll read and then we will get started. John 17, 9 says this. Jesus says, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So the first thing I want you guys to see today in this text is that we are not like the world. Now, 
In order to do this, though, we have to talk about really what is the world and what is a disciple, okay? So whenever Jesus talks about, um, hey, I'm not praying for the world, whenever he says this, this term world, he's not actually talking about the earth or the planet or even necessarily all the people on it. Whenever we hear the term world in the Gospel of John, what he's talking about is this idea that God's created order, something that was made by Jesus and through Jesus, is in complete rebellion to him. It has kind of a negative connotation. And the idea here is that Jesus is saying, like, hey, the world was once created, and it had all of its purpose, and it had everything to glorify me, and then man fell into sin. Now, sin, um, that can be kind of a let's say, confusing term, because uh, a lot of us have different backgrounds and people have defined it different ways. But sin is really just anything that goes against what God wants for us. It can be um, a thought, it can be a deed, it can be a good deed with a bad intention. Really, anything could be turned into a sin. And whenever that happened, the world was flipped upside down and continues to be in many ways. So Jesus says, I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for them. And Jesus is praying for the disciples that are in the room right here. Later on in the chapter, he's going to say, hey, actually, I'm praying for all disciples for all time. So he's praying for you today if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, if we talked about what are all of the things that make a disciple a disciple, we would have to go to a lot of different places in the Bible. But right here, Jesus points out something very specific, and we need to take note of it. Let's read uh, verse 10 and 11. It says, All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So he's saying, hey, all of this unity that we are in Jesus and we're uh, one with one another and all of these things, he's pointing to the oneness that we all have in a relationship. But he says specifically, keep them in your name. Now, this isn't like some kind of a magic uh, script or something that uh, just the name uh, does something. What it is is um, really, in, let's just say like this, in 2022, a name is a very pragmatic thing. It's only as good as um, the thing that we are naming. So like, in other words, I could be named Kale or I could be named John and nothing would change about me. But back in the day, whenever this was written in the first century, a name actually meant a whole lot. To be in the name of something means that um, it represents all the character and all the person and all the personality and everything of the whole person. So Jesus says, hey, Holy Father, Keep them in your name. So he's saying in every bit of your power, that in every bit of your being, keep these guys. Keep being like a protection, protection from all the many things that they could run into. But to be kept in the name is also to have this idea that you're also kept in the faith. Because the faith in God, it it could be summed up as saying to follow him in every single thing that we know about him, everything that's been revealed about him. So to be kept in the name is to be kept in the faith as well. So later on in verse 14, it says that the world actually hates the disciples. It says, I've given them your word and the word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. But if we stop and think like, well, yeah, but 
I'm, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I feel like I'm very much so like the world in a certain sense. Like, I go to birthday parties, uh, I have, you know, I go to weddings, sometimes I have bad days, sometimes I'm not nice as I should be, right? In many ways, we could say like, yeah, well, there is a sense in which we're like the world, but Jesus says, hey, you're actually not like the world in a different sense, and the world even knows it. And the thing that separates disciples from the world is namely that they are kept in the name of the Father. The power of the Father, every bit of his being actually keeps them in the faith, and they are actually in the faith. So maybe you feel the weight of the culture around you. Um, maybe you turn on the, uh, you know, the news or you go to um, any kind of social media and you just kind of see the things that are being talked about right now. And you might be like, man, Christianity needs to get like a better PR rep because it's just not going well right now, right? And that might be true, but also it's just testament to the fact that Jesus is absolutely right in his prayer to the Father, He's absolutely right. He says, hey, listen, you're different from the world and the world loves what is like it and hates what is not like it and the world can't even see it. And we might be in a particular uh, time right now in our culture, but even whenever Christianity was more, um, let's say, par for the norm, to actually follow Jesus and not just give him lip service has never been popular to the world. And that is exactly why he is praying this. But then you might be here today and you might be like, hey, I don't even know what I think about this Jesus guy yet. And um, if that's true, I just want to say like, hey, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, this is a great church. I'm visiting too. It's really cool. Um, but just to say, you know, no one is actually born a Christian. We talk about being born again. But no one comes out of the womb already being a believer in Jesus Christ. Every single person in this room has, who, who says that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ at one time was actually part of the world. And every single one of us at one time did not follow Jesus Christ. And at one point we had to say, what are these claims of Jesus? They seem compelling to me. Maybe I want them to be true. Maybe I need them to be true. But I would just uh, encourage you as we continue to go through this text to be considering these same things. But now I want you to see the second thing in this text, which is, even though we're not like the world, we're actually sent into the world. So let's read uh, 15 through 18. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So we are sent into the world. The, the plan, first of all, in verse 15 is not escape. Uh, Jesus tells us very clearly for the first time, or not for the first time, but he, uh, he tells us very clearly just so that we all know that the plan is not to just get beamed up like in Star Trek, right? He says, I'm not praying that they go out of the world. I'm praying for protection. And he talks about protection from the evil one. This is a reference to Satan, um, the enemy of God and his people from the beginning of the Bible to the end. But what's crazy is in the book of John in chapter 12, it actually talks about he's the ruler of the world. That's not to say that everyone who is not a disciple is like actually like a Satanist and wears like a lot of black and stuff. Um, what it's saying is, is that he has some kind of spiritual authority in the world and he's still at work and he does not like God and he does not like his people. So Jesus prays for protection. But then in verse 17, Jesus uh, prays, hey, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So the plan is um, go into the world and also don't become more like the world, 
but become more like Jesus. Whenever he says, sanctify them in the truth, this is another way to say, uh, make them more and more like Jesus. Make them more and more uh, holy. And whenever we say holy, what we're saying is, is that we're becoming more and more the way that God actually wants us. Not in a high and mighty way, not a holier-than-thou way, but just to become more and more like Jesus. But then in verses 20 through 24, he actually tells us why he sends us into the world. And it's very profound. In 21, he says, so that the world may believe that you sent me. And in verse 23, it says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. So Jesus says, hey, listen, the reason why we're all together in the faith of Jesus Christ, the reason why we're still in the world, uh, the reason why we're not like the world, but we're growing more and more like Jesus is actually so that we can be here for the sake of of the world. You see, um, in verse 23, it says, uh, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them. If you like really sit down and you really read that, you might wonder, is he talking about the world or is he talking about the disciples now, them? And really, the lines are beginning to blur. You see, we know in John 3, 16 that God loves the world. And even though he started this prayer and what he's saying is, is, hey, uh, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for the disciples. Here he's shifting to, hey, by the way, all the disciples used to be a part of the world. We are all on the same playing field. We've all got our own problems and our own sins and all of these different things. And he says, hey, listen, I am sending you into the world now so that even more of the world might know me. So that even more of the world might actually come to become disciples like you. And he's saying this over and over again so that we can see that whenever we believe in Jesus Christ, that he came to the earth, he himself being sent, that he died a death on the cross and rose again, that what he did there was he saved us both to eternity and eternal life and all these things, but he also saved us to bringing back our ultimate purpose. We would not be on this earth or in this world if we did not have this purpose to tell more and more people about Jesus. Um, back in the 19th century, there were these guys who really embodied this really well. They were known as the Methodist uh, circuit riders. Um, these guys were basically like the uh, Pony Express, but for Jesus, okay? So these guys did circuits of about 200 miles to 500 miles uh, just riding on horseback from town to town. And what they would do is they would preach nearly every single day. And they, would, uh, they, they had no idea where they were going to stay often. Um, they were just hoping someone would take them in. They often didn't have any food. They were just hoping, man, I hope somebody feeds me for the day. But being sent by Jesus is worth it. And I don't bring that up to say, hey, all of us should go sell of our houses and buy some horses and go and do that. But it, they, they go down in church history as a beautiful picture of what it means to know that you're sent and to live your life accordingly. So Christians in the world, do you, or in the room, do you, do you live as if your salvation is just like for your own sake? Do you live as if your faith in Jesus is for your own sake and nothing more? Uh, do, you, do you take all the wonderful fruits and gifts that Jesus gives us and says, I'm just going to let that, I'm just going to enjoy that for myself. I'm going to have Jesus as my marriage counselor. That way my life goes better. I'm going to have Jesus as my therapist so that that goes better. I'm going to have Jesus as my business planner using Proverbs and these kind of things. And then just totally forget that while all of those things are good, and while he's totally that for anyone who believes in Jesus, he's also a lot more. 
He's also the one that has sent us into the world to complete his mission as he leaves it. So what should we do with this? Uh, First of all, we should be sharing the good news with other people. We can't just sit on this news. We have to share it. It is what Jesus came to do. It's what his disciples did. And now 2,000 years of church history, and here we are today in Collins, Iowa, still talking about it. And that's just testament to the fact that Jesus' prayer was effective and that people have been telling others about Jesus for 2,000 years, and we have to continue this. So we can do this by being really purposeful in our relationships. Um, You're not going to tell someone in China about Jesus unless you know someone from China, right? Um, It's a very relational thing. We have to tell others that we actually know. And I think a very easy way to do this, just to get real practical, um, I don't know, you guys might do this too, but at at my church in Edmond, uh, we talk about just having three people that we're constantly trying to share the gospel with, constantly trying to pray for, and constantly praying for the good of them. Uh, This isn't like uh, some kind of like weird, um, let's say like manipulation tactic or something like that. Rather, it's saying, hey, I have found the good news of Jesus. It brings me infinite joy just as I see in verse 13. And I want to share it with the people that I actually know and love. So it's something that we have to do. And whenever we say we have to reach the whole world, that can seem overwhelming. But at, at our church, we say like, hey, well, why don't we just like pick three? Because We can all count to three, and we can all think of three people. It becomes far more achievable. So if that's you and you're like, I don't know that I'm really trying to reach anyone in particular, I'd say like, hey, maybe today you take out a note card and you write those three names down and you put it in your Bible and you just commit to praying for them this week. It could be a really beautiful, amazing application to what Jesus has for us here. But the third thing that I want you guys to see today is that Jesus is our hope in this world and in the next Jesus is our hope in this world and in the next. Uh, Verse 24, chapter 17, Jesus concludes his prayer with these last three or so verses. He says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me before you loved me, before the foundation of the world. So here what Jesus is saying is, he he prays to the Father and he says, hey, I'm about to leave the world, but the church is going to be, uh, the disciples are still going to be in the world, and they're doing all these things, and also I pray that one day they will see me in a different light. What he's referring to here is uh, Jesus is going to go to the cross, he's going to die, he's going to rise again, he's going to ascend into heaven, but he says that one day he's going to come back. And he says, one day he's actually going to renew the entire world and all the world will be yet again for his glory. And he won't be on a cross anymore, but he'll be on a throne. And we won't even need, as the book of Revelation says, uh, in poetic imagery, we won't even need the sun anymore because his glory will light the entire earth. And he says, listen, Father, please bring the disciples so that they can actually see me. So that one day they can actually see me, not just as uh, in, in human form, though he still remains a man, but to see him in the glory that he had in the end of days. But then in verse 26, we hear this. He says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So 
what Jesus is saying is, even though he's absolutely going to leave the world, he's saying, hey, by, by the way, I'm going to continue my work in the world. I'm going to continue my power in the world. I'm going to continue to make uh, the name of the Father known and the power of the Father known. And I'm going to keep my disciples in the faith. I don't know if you guys have seen the History Channel show uh, alone, but it's like really rad. It's really cool. Uh, basically, the uh, the idea here is there's 10 people who are dropped off like in the middle of absolutely like nowhere, like nowhere Canada with like bears, nowhere Mongolia with whatever they have there, rain, um, you know, just like like just desolate places, and they're um, uh, they're like not dropped off like all 10 together. They're dropped off like miles apart, and um, these are like wilderness survival experts. Like they know how to like build fires with sticks and kill lots of things and eat lots of things, right? Like they know what they're doing, but uh, the object of the game is to be the last one in the wilderness, okay? So I watched this clip the other day of this girl named Brooke and uh, she was in Mongolia. She had shelter, she had fire, she had a reasonable amount of food for the, for the way that this show kind of goes. You know, she was losing weight for sure. Um, and they don't even have camera crews. Like they just sit there and they take like a little selfie video and they're like uh, just kind of updating you and that's what you watch. And I mean, it's just amazing to watch like every day or every week, however often she was updating. It's like her morale just started to go down. Like it was gradual, but I mean like it got worse and worse until eventually she gets the satellite phone or whatever they have and they call and she calls in and she's basically like, hey, uh, I don't have a ton to eat and the rain is really terrible. Um, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm tired of being alone. And I think the reality show Survivor already took that name, but I think they named this show really aptly with the name of Alone because a lot of these people, they know how to survive, but whenever a relationship is just on the other side of a satellite phone, even though there's like a ridiculous amount of money involved, they're like, no way, I'm going home. I want to see the people that I know and love, and and maybe you're here today, and you're like, man, I I'm just I, I'm lonely. Uh, I I've been living in this uh, community for maybe my entire life, but I just feel lonely all the time. Or maybe you're uh, here today, and you're like, man, a committed uh, member of this church, but you just feel that loneliness. Or or you think about this idea of going out and being on mission for Jesus, and you just feel like you're all on your own. But that's why we have to put our hope in Jesus, both in this world and in the next. That's what these two verses are telling us. So first of all, we have to do that by sharing our faith in the power of Jesus Christ. We have to do it by the power of Jesus Christ. He doesn't send us into the world to be alone, just as we read in verses 24 and 26. He says, hey, listen, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to continue to work. And whenever you share your faith with others, I am empowering that to actually bring people to me. No amount of persuasion, no amount of arguing or anything like that could ever change a person's heart to loving Jesus Christ. It's not like a political thing of just trying to say like, well, I see that's your view, but I want to adopt you into my view uh, just for the sake of it. No, he says, no, I am going to send you out and you have a job and I'm going to empower you for it. So we have to be in prayerful obedience to Jesus as we're sharing with others. Uh, maybe if you uh, are the person who needs that, um, that index card with three people's names on it, that you commit to praying for them on the daily. But we also need to remember the end of the mission. Jesus says, hey, Father, I pray that one day everyone who follows me will see my glory. 
He's talking about, again, the end of days, whenever the days renew and the world is renewed and everything is glorious and wonderful again. So all of us have doubts. Can I just say that? Uh, We all don't doubt the same things. Maybe you're here in the room and you're like, man, I doubt sometimes if God is even real. But then for a lot of us in the room, uh, if you believe in Jesus, you may not doubt that, but you might doubt like, man, is the way of Jesus, like, is this life, is it worth it? Like on the dark nights of the soul, like is it, is it really worth doing what Jesus said? Because it's really hard. But we have to put our faith and our hope in the fact that we know the end of the story. That one day, even though this world is super hard with sickness and health and that the, the world does not particularly like what Jesus has to say and all these things, we have to put our hope in the fact that one day we will actually be with Jesus. We will see his glory, glory that will literally blot out the sun with the amount of light that it has in and of itself. So we have to do these things in hope of Jesus, both in this world and in the next. So uh, just to sum this up, you guys have heard three things today. Uh, first of all, that we're not like the world, that we're sent into the world for the sake of the world. And finally, that we have to put our hope in Jesus, both in this world and in the next, in this life and in the next. And there's a lot of practical ways that we can do that. But the main thing that we're trying to do here is to see that we have unity with the Father and the Son. We have special relationship with him. And even though Jesus is in heaven now, he is in special relationship with us today. And that special relationship is open to anyone and everyone. He doesn't say at the beginning of the prayer, there's a difference in the world and a difference in the disciples and leave it at that. But he says, no, rather, All of us were once part of the world, and he wants all of us to know him. And he calls out and he says, the offer is on the table, the offer of life, and the offer of ultimate purpose here in this world. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, Lord, I pray that, Lord, as conversations are happening today and throughout this week, in these various communities that are represented in this room, that you would just uh, glorify your son and that your son would glorify you and that people would uh, know you and follow you this week. Lord, the people who have uh, been Christians their whole lives would have a renewed sense of their purpose, that they are sent out uh, for the sake of the world. But also, Lord, for people who are here today and don't quite know what they believe about you, Lord, I just pray that they would actually be able to uh, hear these claims that your text has upon them and be able to ponder and think through what that means for them and where they find it compelling and where they have questions. So, Lord, I pray that all those things would be fulfilled in the context of this gospel community. And we pray, Lord, that your uh, Holy Spirit would do so much good work. So, Lord, we pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, so we're now going to move into a time of communion. Uh, What this means is that we're going to really remember and take elements to ultimately remember uh, how Jesus secured the love of the Father for all those who believe. We're going to take the elements of uh, the bread and the wine. We're going to remember that Jesus broke his body and shed his blood to secure that love of the Father. The same love that the Father has for the Son that he gives out to uh, all of his disciples. So uh, this is a faith meal. 
Uh, if you're a believer in Jesus, this is for you. Uh, if you call yourself that, we're going to take these things in just a moment. We're going to remember and we're going to celebrate in many ways our communion and our relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, if that's not you and you're like, man, I don't really know uh, what I believe about Jesus yet, I just encourage you to abstain from the table. Don't take the elements, but instead you can just stay seated and you can actually uh, just maybe pray for the very first time. You can think through, man, all of these claims that the Bible has on my life, I don't even know how to pray, but I'm going to do it for the first time. Maybe that just looks like, hey, Jesus, um, I don't even know if you're real, but speak to me as I can process these claims. So um, in y'all's typical fashion, what we're going to be doing today, uh, I think everybody's going to be walking down here through the center aisle, and you can grab the elements there. Uh, go ahead and return to your seats after that and stay uh, standing, and then uh, just hold the elements, and we'll all take all those at the same time together. <laughs>